because we're pricing in such detail, I think it's really difficult to give a price on your website um, because you know, nine times out of 10, when you go through the proposal process with the client, it's going to be different. You're listening to The Bookkeeper's Podcast, sponsored by Zero. I use Zero's accounting and bookkeeping software to manage my clients' accounts, and I love it. If you haven't tried it yet, head over to zero.com with an X, and you can either start a free 30-day trial or sign up to Zero's partner program to join their amazing community, forward-thinking accountants and bookkeepers. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. Um, today, I am so lucky to be joined by the lovely Jason Blackman. Hi, Jason, how are you? Hello, Joe. I'm really good, and thank you very much for having me. You are so very welcome. Jason, we met in life, real life, last we year. Did. We did. When you were very, very brave and came to a long... <laughs> To a bookkeeper's retreat in Wales, and and it was full of there was loads of women, as is usually the case with our membership. But you were very brave, and you decided to come along, and um, it was such it was a great event. We had such a good time, and it was so lovely and so nice to meet you. Hello to everyone if you're joining us now. Please let us know in the chat if you're here. Say hi. Let us know where you're joining us from. It's great to great to see you all. So, Jason. Today, we're going to be talking about pricing from a bookkeeper's perspective. My favourite subject. Your favourite subject. Good, because, <laughs> you know, we, we're often in the, in the six-month success, um, uh, sorry, in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, the questions yeah. that come up about pricing all the time, yeah. people, people don't have the confidence to price the way that they maybe they feel they should and maybe they go back to hourly rate because they feel like you know that gives them a bit more confidence we're going to talk all about your pricing journey today yeah Um, but before we do jason do you want to let us know like when did you get into and why did you get into this bookkeeping and accountancy space okay so um when i left school i think i always wanted to work um in an office always wanted to do something based around figures um, but that was kind of it. When I left school, it was, yeah, I want to work in an office. That was kind of as, as far as it went, really. And I was very lucky. I left school and started work the next week in a, in a local, it was a farm office, actually. And I was sort of doing the general admin, answering the phone, typing letters, et cetera, et cetera. And I was doing that for a good couple of years, uh, maybe three years. And uh, the business was actually owned by two brothers and the brothers decided to split. So uh, one business stayed um, where I currently worked and another business sort of branched off into a, another, another part, of, uh, part of Hampshire where I lived. Um, and I was chosen to, to go with the other brother to, to sort of move. And it was, it, was, it was said to me, basically, Jason, you'll be doing the accounts. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'd never, ever done accounts before, but I was definitely interested in it. As I say, I've always been very interested in numbers. Um, so yeah, I was almost, I guess, thrown in at the deep end, I suppose, when it comes to when it comes to accounts. But uh, I, I started working on the accounts, and I was working on this on this sort of um, it was called I don't know it's called Hilton Nomis. It was a farm based accounting package, purely for farms, um, and it was good. I enjoyed it, but I was doing all these things like profit and loss reports and balance sheets and trial balances, but I didn't know what that meant, and I thought. I really need to sort of understand this, what I'm doing, you know, I can do it, but I want to understand the sort of how it all works in the background, you know? So I started an evening course at college, um, started at, um, back GCSE, so shows how long ago it was, <laughs> GCSE O-level accountancy, and then moved on to AAT, I was at college several years, 
and uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. I mean, double entry bookkeeping. I was I was the biggest fan in the world of that. I absolutely loved debits and credits, which was quite surprising for all the other students because most of them hated them. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when you got qualified, um, what did you do then? Did you stay at the farm? Um, I stayed at the farm for a little while, and uh, then I guess the lure of the accountancy practice uh, came along, and I went to work for a practice, um, and I just in my absolute element doing bank wrecks and it was it was great fun great fun and i worked there for maybe four or five years and i suppose you get to that stage when you're employed that you see how much money you're making the boss and you think hang on i can actually do this myself so it got to july 2001 and i got my first well started my bit my practice got my very first client as a as a sole trader so um yeah just sort of worked out from there that was say 2001 so I think I built the business up to about 200 clients, I think, by about uh, 2013, I think. So about 12 years later, I had about 200 clients and doing everything, I guess, as well as bookkeeping. I was doing, you know, annual accounts, corporation tax, personal tax, payroll, VAT returns, all the all the standard stuff, I suppose. And uh, yeah, plodding along very nicely until 2013, when unfortunately my wife became quite ill in 2013. And uh, she became so poorly that I almost had to become a full-time carer for her. So in about 2015, 2016, I just decided that I couldn't cope with the practice and looking after her full-time. She was obviously far more important. So I sold the practice. And uh, yeah, that's something I, I would uh, I would research a lot if I ever did that again, because uh, I think I got a I got a bad price for it, you know, but I was, I guess I was in a, a bad space at that time, you know, and I was panicking and um, a friend of mine offered me a price for the practice and I, and I just took it, which would, in hindsight was a, was a disastrous mistake. But anyway, um, so I looked after Carol for, uh, yeah, a couple of years. And unfortunately in 2017, she passed away. Um, she was only 40, so it was quite, uh, yeah, quite uh, devastating for everyone. Um, so I had to decide what I wanted to do then. And having sort of sold the practice a couple of years earlier, I thought, uh, you know, where do I go from here? And I ended up working for a software company on their support desk for a couple of years. Um, I was, uh, yeah, very, very good friends with the MD of a, of a, um, a tax return um, software package. And he offered me a job on the support desk and I was there two or three years. And in the background, started to build the practice up again. And sort of fast forward to 2018, I met my now wife, Claire, and uh, she's now uh, joined me on, on board on, with, with the practice as well. She's director as well. And here we are yeah, in uh, July 2023, and we've got about 125 clients, I suppose, now. So I'm quite proud of how we sort of come back from nothing to, to build things up again, you know, and, and she's, she works in the business sort of two, three days a week, and she's got another part-time job as well. And uh, yeah, so uh, still offering all the all the standard services, but I would say, Joe, if I'm honest, bookkeeping is my favourite. I'm a qualified accountant, but I cannot get away from the fact that I love bookkeeping. You know, <laughs> it, it gets to us all. It's like a bug, isn't it? Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh my goodness, Jason! What a story! What a journey! Um, yeah, um, the amount of resilience and learnings you've had along the way, and yeah. um, going back to that first practice where you had built 200 clients. Yeah. Can I ask, did you have a team? Did, what support did you have? Um, what, what, did, what did that look like? Um, it was, I would say basically me. I had, I had a, a subcontractor that would help me out with, uh, with compliance and you know, the year end stuff. I would say back then, 
I wasn't too focused on bookkeeping. I'd say the, the practice how it is today is more bookkeeping than it was back then. It was a lot more sort of annual accounts. So I don't mean it was easier, but it was, you know, there wasn't so much sort of workload, even though it was, there was uh, a bigger number of clients, I guess the workload was less. So I, I did it all myself. And, you know, that's maybe one of the things that maybe a lesson where you, you do need to get help. And when things happen, like, you know, happened with, with Carol that, you know, I had no option really other than sell, than to sell the practice because mm-hmm. I had no one else, you know, I had no one else to help me and to sort of pass things on to. And with 200 clients, it was, I didn't, I didn't have the time to sort of hand it down gradually, you know, to someone, I had to make a real snap decision, you know? Um, but yeah, it was just me. So, I mean, but how it looks now, we, we subcontract out our payroll. Um, so we've got lots and lots of payroll clients. We subcontract all that out. Um, I have got another accountant that helps me as well. Um, and as I say, Claire's been brilliant. She does a lot of the bookkeeping and a lot of the admin. We've just installed accountancy manager now, which is which is really, really good. And she's set that up right from scratch for me, for us as well, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I've, n- I've, I've never had what you call a team, I suppose, really. You know, I've, sub- I've subcontracted work out. And I've, as I say, I've got another accountant that I work with. But uh, apart from that, it really is just us two at the moment. So interesting. I love understanding um people's structures and what they're building and you know the services and and I can you know my I'm, I'm thinking about like the team that I've got now and you know it's a mixture of subcontractors and some staff and we're about 12 or 13 I think and then part like lots of part-time yeah. as well um but we don't have anywhere near like I, was, I suppose we're at like the 80 client mark but right, then okay. we offer like that full accountancy sure department function which like yeah. you say is very labor heavy sure. so it fascinates me when i see that there's businesses out there that've got 200 700 clients yeah. and yeah. i'm like well how do you do it but it's because it's you, like you say you're you're a qualified accountant and you can you know do those year end accounts and people may have their own bookkeeping in house yes, of course yeah and you're doing that so it's just like yeah. understanding what that looks like and it's really yeah. interesting but it, i suppose your journey shows that, you know, that entrepreneurial myth, if anyone's ever read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, he talks about exactly what you said, Jason, about we have this entrepreneurial myth. Why am I making this money for the boss when I can do this myself? Yeah, yeah. But what you have done in the, what you did then, back then, was created a job for yourself. You became your own boss, absolutely. You didn't have to answer to anyone else. Yeah. But you hadn't created a business that could sustain you when you needed flexibility. Yeah. And it's about, I suppose, thinking these days, well, what is it that you want? You can absolutely create your own job and be self-employed and have that. But that doesn't always give you the flexibility that you might want. And that's all good. It's just knowing what you're creating. And because if you'd have, like now, what you, the way you're talking about the practice you're building now with more support, with more, like if you've got a county manager, you know, some systems and processes. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you're building a more grown-up business. Yeah. I mean, so I, I didn't tell you. Claire, unfortunately, lost her first husband as well. He had a, he had a woke up one day and didn't survive the day. He had a heart attack um, right in front of Claire. He was 38. So, you know, we both know, Joe, how how uh, fragile life can be. So 
we we said from the start we, we don't want to build the practice that we're working both working 40 hours a week that's not the goal at all and I'll, and we don't want a million pounds turnover you know we want enough money so that we can have a good life and enjoy life but we don't want to be working all the hours under the sun either we want a nice balance of being able to afford to do the things we want to do but having that time as well because i think time is just as valuable as money and then we've i think you know losing carol at 40 losing chris at 38 we've certainly learned that time is so precious you know and and now i've, I've just turned 50 so it's kind of it's kind of a good time to evaluate how things are you know and um so i think our goal is is yeah we want to build the practice up a little bit more definitely and make it more automated you know some more systems in place maybe we subcontract a bit more out just so that you know both of us aren't burning ourselves out and we're not working all the hours that we you know that are available to us we want some free time as well you know Absolutely. I mean, you may get it as well. I have people say, what, you work with your other half? How do you do that? But actually, it's all part of that. You know, I often, I've started to realise it's not like a work-life balance. It's just life. You know, yeah. if I'm working or if I'm watching telly, I'm still, you know, checking notifications. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's just yeah, life. And so the fact that I get I get to work with my husband means that we get to yep. spend more time together because yep. I'm always going to be working because I love it. Yep. And, yep. you know, I, I, you know, so it, uh, I'm so, so pleased that you've, you know, managed to bring her into the business and that you're yep. supporting each other and building a business that's going to work for you. And I know you both love to travel and like yes, going through the world and that's your, that's your focus. And, you yes, know, it is. Totally. It's, totally. it's great. You can, you can do that. Okay. Well, Let's get down to it. So pricing. Yes. Tell us about your pricing journey. Maybe, I mean, you can, I don't know if you price, you're pricing the same now as you did with your business that you started or what, how did Absolutely you start? Absolutely not. Okay. How did you start? Um, so I didn't, when I started, Joe, I didn't really know any different as far as I was concerned. And I guess this is the same for most people sort of, you know, 20 years ago, hourly rates were the thing, you know, and when I got my, my, my first bookkeeping client, I quoted them 15 pounds an hour and there was a bit of 15 pounds an hour, really? So, you know, but bearing in mind, this was back in sort of 2002, 2003. Um, and, uh, but some so sort of things progressed on from there and I got, I got another really big client in Portsmouth where I used to live and I used to go in there and do the bookkeeping and I quoted them 20 pounds an hour. So I'm going to, I'm going to try a bit higher than 15. And the guy said to me, 20 pounds an hour, that's nowhere near enough. That's far too low. So it's, it's quite incredible. You know, these hourly rates, they're almost, I think we sort of, um, we battle with these in our own head so much, you know, um, you know, I was literally in the situation where one client thought 15 pounds an hour was too much. And another client, six months later thought 20 pounds an hour was far far too little you know so it was a real struggle even back then to to know what to charge and I just went by sort of what the I guess the market rate was back then you know and just charging an hourly rate and I do think back then and bookkeeping was so much more manual you know back in in the early 2000s we're, we're talking about a black sack full of receipts and I'm sitting in the corner there with you know sage desktop plugging them all in and so it's quite right that you charge an hourly rate then because that's what it is. You know, you are taking that time and you're doing everything. There's no there's no bank fee. There's no automated, you know, um, receipts capture. There's nothing. You know, you're doing everything. So I think hourly rates were perfectly justified back in the early 2000s. Getting them right and getting the right figure was a, was another story, you know, but. But if if we sort of fast forward to today, I just my personal opinion, I know this causes so much controversy, hourly rates. Um, and people are very passionate about 
um, about still charging hourly rates. But to me, I don't really think they're relevant now um, because I think so much of what we do is automated. I mean, I use Zero. I'm a, I'm a Zero fan. Absolutely love it. And, you know, let's just take bank feeds. I mean, you say in the old days, we didn't have bank feeds. So we'd have to to manually enter all the all the bank payments and all the bank receipts. And that was time. We were taking time. But now we're just, you know, we're switching on. We're logging into zero and it's all there, you know. Um, so we don't have to do that. But um, because we don't have to do that, I don't think we sh that that should be to our detriment. I still think we need to charge a fair price for for the, you know for what's happening even though a lot of it is automated we're not doing it ourselves but so i guess what in a nutshell what i'm trying to say is this sage job in the in the back in the early 2000s would have taken you know eight hours to do a, a you know a month's worth of bookkeeping and if if now using zero using automation using bank feeds using receipt capture it takes two hours then i don't see why we should only charge two hours if it if it you know we've previously charged eight for it i guess that's a pretty long-winded way of saying it but i just i just don't think now hourly rate hourly rates are really relevant i think you can still give the client a brilliant service probably a better one than before because so much of it is automated um and you know, you know the bank recs well you don't know, you know i know bank feeds can still have <laughs> dodgy days you know? that's the thing isn't it we are we're still you know we are managing the process of the bank yeah, feeds. we're checking on that yeah, um and like you say the client's still getting the same result for the eight hours or the two yeah. hours now yeah. you might not charge exactly the same as the eight hours yes but it sh should be it's more elevated because of your knowledge on how to use the automation yeah. and things yeah. and the value is still there so yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting conversation to have, and I and I do and I I do get that, and and it is the difference between this kind of job, and you know when we start out, we often it's easy to think, well, I was earning that in my employed role, and I want to replace that income, so if I charge double what I was getting there, that feels amazing. But then when mm -hmm. we realise that you've got insurances, and then you need to take on an admin member of staff, of and then practice less, um, software, you're yeah. like, wow. Okay, I'm now earning less. And yeah. we see this so often. So, yeah, it's we have to price differently. It's interesting you said that about the different um, the different perception on the hourly rate. Um, I had it, and it's the same with clients. I find we had it last week where we were delivering the information on tax bills and one client's tax bill was massive. And she was like, yeah, well, the more money I make, the bigger the tax bill. And she was fine with it. Yeah. Whereas we told someone else um, he had his um, class 1A on his P11D and it was a couple hundred quid. They have the same turnover business, like right. multi-million. And he went, well, I don't know why I'm running this business. I might as well just give up and give all my money to HMRC. Yeah. 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 And it's really awesome. Yeah. So we are, and I, I was saying this to my team that we're dealing with, mindset and actually part of my ideal client is i want the people that are like yeah I've paid tax and it's yeah. a good thing yeah. um and it's definitely that pricing thing as well and we need to find the clients that are in alignment with that and see yeah. the value in what we do. but it is down to us to kind of express it and explain it and maybe yeah. it i think it's i do find um when i do a proposal these days and say this is the monthly fee people are are happy that it's not an hourly rate because they don't know how long it should take anyway. <laughs> well, that's right. And that's, I guess that's another two, two, as far as I'm concerned, two disadvantages to hourly rates. One of them is exactly that in that 
if you're charging the client, let's say every month based on the hours that you've done, the client's always going to get a surprise bill. And, you know, I, I know that's one th one real bugbear with clients is surprise bills. And, you know, surely they're going to be much happier if they've got a fixed monthly fee and they know exactly what they're going to pay. And better for us as well. We know what we're going to get, you know, the the sort of hourly rate billing um, system is just comes out as a surprise to the client and comes out as a surprise to us. We don't know what we're going to bill. You know, we don't know how long it's going to take. And um, there was another disadvantage that I was thinking of. What was it? <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll come back. I'm sure it'll come back. But you will. So when you started this most recent practice, did you did you start again with hourly rate or did you reprice differently from the beginning? Repriced differently from the beginning. So I, that's when I discovered Go Proposal. <laughs> so I am a big Go Proposal fan, I must admit. Um, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. You know, the fact to be able to drill down into so much detail with the services that you're providing, particularly with bookkeeping, I think is is really, really important because no two bookkeeping jobs are the same, you know. Um, and I've heard, I've heard another way of pricing bookkeeping is uh, to base it on the client's turnover. So, I don't know, 1% of their annual turnover is, is, is what your annual bookkeeping fee is. But that's flawed as well, surely, because just because they've got a million pound turnover, they might only raise three invoices a month, you know, and you might have, uh, you know, as I have got, a, you know, a guy that's turning over 100 grand, but there's masses and masses of paperwork. So I don't I don't really see that that really working either percentage of turnover and another another method i have seen and there's an american guy dan pascarino i think he's called he's he's just a sole trader he's turning over about 200k and he, but he's working all the hours under the sun but he charges three dollars a transaction now charging per transaction I, i'm not really sure if that's a, that's a good move or not um so I think to myself, how would you quote someone if you're charging, if you're taking on a new client, you're having a prospect meeting, how do you know what to quote? Um, but his idea is when you're in the prospect meeting, you ask them if they'll give you access to QuickBooks or Xero, whatever they're using. You go back through the last three months transactions, add them all up, divide that by three. And that's and that's the amount of transactions you charge per month times times three dollars per transaction. But you've still got the problem of well, suddenly the transaction value might, you know, the transaction volume might really go down or then it might go up. So you've still got to you still got to keep your eye on that, really, haven't you? And I guess there's no foolproof way of doing this, but um, I, I just think hourly rates are massively flawed and percentage of turnover, I think, is flawed and uh, charging per transaction may be a little bit better. But uh, I think pricing on on the individual components of the bookkeeping like you can in Go Proposal, I think is a lot, a lot fairer. Yeah, it feels like it's 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 the best option we've got, even if it's not perfect. And it's definitely, you know, and that is something, Jason, that I think um, lots of us have, you know, if if anyone's using Go Proposal or have got a system in place to create a proposal um, and then we start doing the work and we, yeah. we've had it this this um, this week we've got a new client and started now this will make you laugh you know what you're saying about um, three like three sales invoices so million pound company yeah, yeah. three well so I charged him as per go proposal um, he said up to five sales invoices a month brilliant he said but he uses projects OK, so um, we're going to allocate um, receipts and things so he can claim back the expenses to the clients he sent in this invoice to. One invoice had 40 expenses <laughs> on it. Right. And I'm charging him for one invoice for that. Right. So yeah. there's right. always we have to 
And this is why we need to step away from being the operations in the business and doing all the work, because this is a full time job, making sure that yeah. there's no scope creep and yeah. that you are pricing effectively and correctly. Yeah. So I'm going to have to have a conversation, you know, with him yeah. about the fact that, well, you know, when you said there was one in five invoices. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be all this work. So there's there's things that we need to do. So when you're um, in the sales process, how do you find the way that you're pricing at the moment, you know, is it, so are you pricing um, per transaction for sales and purchase invoices and bank rec, and then kind of adding, you know, monthly fees for compliance? How, is that how you built up your Go proposal? Yes. And um, before I answer that, I just thought of the other disadvantage <laughs> that I was going to say is the fact that us as bookkeepers, we're capped on what we can earn. If we're charging hourly rates, then we're totally capped. We, we, you know, we only work a certain amount of hours per week. So, you know, by definition, we're only going to have a finite amount of money that we can earn. And I don't think I don't think that's right either. Um, but in answer to your question, um, most of my the fees that I quote for where it's bookkeeping, I, I am doing the compliance work as well. So I will I will end up quoting for the whole the whole job. So for the bookkeeping plus the compliance as well. So I'll give I'll give the the prospect a sort of you know um, just a sort of monthly figure. You know, quite often they want a breakdown of, of what it's made up of. But uh, nine times out of ten, I'll use Go Proposal. I, I don't sort of quote for my bookkeeping separately to the to the compliance if because. I don't really have any clients that I just do bookkeeping, you know, for I, most of the clients that I do bookkeeping for, I'm doing the compliance as well. So that, I guess that issue or problem doesn't, doesn't really, doesn't really come up. And I, I just wrote this, I must say this, I just wrote this down as a sort of tip as well, which I, I do do a lot when I quote clients is I always quote them or no, I, I quote them the figure, but then I say what the actual cost is going to be because they can always claim tax relief on the, on my on my fees on my monthly fees you know they're going to put it through their accounts obviously so if they're a limited company they're going to get 19 percent corporation tax relief on the fees so i always say to them okay it's 500 pound a month but it's only going to cost you 400 pound a month because you get the tax relief on the on on the fee so the actual you know 100 pounds per month of that fee is paid by hmrc effectively and i i i think that does make that does sometimes that can be the that can make the difference between them saying yes or no you know wow I've, that is a new one, Jason. I've not heard of that before. That's a that's a really good idea. That takes me back to when I was trying to sell Miss Selfridge's credit cards and say you could save ten percent, which is like eight pound on your shopping. Like yeah. giving them the tangible saving yeah. that they're yeah. making is um is a really good idea. I um, say the tax saving is twenty percent tax saving. That's quite considerable, Joe, as well. I say you know five hundred pound a month if they're paying. Yeah me 500 pound a month they're actually only paying me 400 pound a month because they get 100 pound a month tax relief and you know suddenly your fee going from 500 pound a month down to 400 pound a month is quite it's quite significant that's it really is it really is a big sell um I, nicola said here that jason sounds like he's confident in his pricing and prospects will pick up on that and he'll get less pushback and works for her yeah. as well so yeah. absolutely i think it's whatever you're going into the conversation with being really confident in what it is that you're doing the service that you're offering and this is why we you know when we talk about the six month success program we, you want to know what your service is what your onboarding method is like the next yeah. steps you're confident in the journey you're going to take the client on because then they'll feel that confidence come through you and yeah. um, so with regards to we we start we start off with um giving somebody a quote they say yes we onboard them and you know a few months down the line we're doing the work and we think oh it's it's 
feeling like there's a bit more here. How do you approach, what's your process for approaching clients about repricing? Maybe do you do it, how often do you do it? Do you do it annually? Do you do it more than that? What's what's your approach? Right, so I'm ashamed to say that I do, I do do it annually. And and when I've listened to, you know, your um, interviews, your podcast with James Ashford, and when he used to say reprice every three months, I used to think, what is he going on about? You cannot possibly do that. But like I said just now about this guy that's quoting, you know, $3 a transaction, suddenly things can change, you know, business for the client can pick up. And that means that our work as bookkeepers picks up. So I mean, I haven't done it yet. It is done annually at the moment, Joe. But I think the three month thing is a is a really, really good, really good thing to do. Because yeah, you could you could quote for, um, you know, you could you could um, give them the quote based on the based on the bookkeeping at the moment but after three months if that suddenly changes it suddenly increases then you've got potentially nine months of undercharging before the next fee review you know so so it's not it's the three month thing is not something we do at the moment but i think i think now and you know james drills it into us so much that it really is a it really is the sensible thing to do there's no doubt about it we can't we can't be supporting other people's businesses and losing no. money for nine months, can we? It just no. and I was, you know, thinking about this new client of mine. You know, I'm having a conversation with him this month. We he only started last month. Um, it can't wait to three months because right. those extra 40 transactions per <laughs> per one yep. sales invoice. I, I I can't sustain that. It's gonna, it's it, you know, it's costing my team time and money. And I and I do actually. It's about I think um, setting the scene in the original proposal meeting. And I do always say I'm going on what you've said. I, I mean, I did actually have access to his um, zero transactions. Right. More for me because I didn't look in and I saw how many sales invoices there were. I didn't yeah. drill in and had right. you know and look at all of the. So that's you know I'm I'm learning. He's a different yeah. type of client and I've never yeah, done yeah. that before. So. We live and we learn. And I do have to set the scene and say, look, this is what the proposal is. Until we actually do the bookkeeping, we don't really know what's involved. Sure. Yeah. And we will have to revisit and reprice. Actually, yeah. he's it's quite interesting. He actually come to me and said, love the service so far. I'd like to go have um, management accounts as well, please. Okay. So he's, I'm like, well, book in for a meeting because I was going to talk to you as well. Anyway, so yeah. it's right. interesting. Um, and, all, and that's important as well. I let everybody know everything they can have the full service yeah and then then we can pick out what they actually want right now but yeah. when you've already sold them everything they can think oh, they know about it my biggest but and i say this to new clients all the time they come to me they say oh my accountant doesn't give me this and i say to them have you asked them for it yeah you know that they can't give it because I find lots of us in this industry just don't let people know what we can do. So they go elsewhere looking for it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not sponsored by going proposer or anything on this podcast, but um, I think it does, it does allow you to do that. I think even if we're not using go proposer, we need some sort of system, you know, so that we can drill down into what we're offering because just to say we're offering bookkeeping, which is X amount a month, it's it's so difficult to quote, you know, based based on that. You need you need so many more, you know, so much more detail on, on what the job entails before you're able to to give a to give a sensible quote. I think. Mm, absolutely. When we reprice, or oh, the biggest fear that every bookkeeper has is that the clients can going to leave us. Okay, so. Yeah. 
have you had that? Have you have you repriced anybody? I mean, you're doing annual reviews. When you do the annual review, you're still going to have to have that difficult conversation once a year, yeah. if it's not yeah. once a quarter. Yeah. Have you had it where people have said, that's it, I'm leaving you? Not many, not many. Um, I suppose we've been quite lucky in that um, all my all my clients are lovely of course of course they are but the really lovely clients they're they've all stayed with me i've had a couple of clients leave yes it is due to fees um but um after they've left i sometimes think am, am i better off without them that's not being horrible we've all got clients that, that are like that you know um i mean i for example i had one client leave me she was a hairdresser i was charging her quite a quite a low fee i would i think and uh, she's going back to what you said earlier on in the conversation. She used to have a go at me because her tax bill was so high. You know, that was, uh, you know, well, why is it so high? Well, because you've earned this money. That's that's why it's high. Well, you know, can you get it down for me? Well, I've got it down as much as I can, but I can't. So oh, she said, in that case, I'm going to go go to another accountant um, because I can't I, I can't afford to pay you when you're supposed to be reducing my tax bill. Well, it always sounds a bit strange to me, but. Uh, it was quite funny. One of my one of my friends is is friends with her on Facebook, and the next thing, she, a week later, she was in the Maldives. But anyway, <laughs> you know. But uh, so the the clients that have left me, I think I sometimes think I'm, maybe I am better off without them because I think I haven't I haven't changed the prices in Go Proposal, and I and I don't think they're I don't think they're expensive. If I'm perfectly honest, I mean, being an accountant as well, some of the prices that I see for compliance are just are quite frightening. Um, I took over a, a client, just a, a, a limited company, quite a high turnover, but his compliance fee was just under 7,000. And I just mm. I don't see how they, that can be justified, really, to be honest. But there's a fair amount of work there, but it's not an overly complicated business, you know. Um, but I guess this just demonstrates how much of a minefield the pricing is, doesn't it, really? It you does. know, um, Bookkeeping, I know we're mainly talking about bookkeeping, and I think Go Proposal is, is great for that. And But I think also think as accountants, the annual compliance fees, there's so much variation, Joe, in, you know, mm. from what I've seen in my in my 20 odd years of practice. You know, I'm, I'm talking that you'll get the you'll get the sort of accountants that advertise on Facebook. We can do your annual accounts and corporation tax for 150 pounds. Well, no, you can't, you know, and and then you get, you get up to, you know, this, this client that I'm talking about, whose previous accountant charged them 7,000. So I guess it's the right fee between 150 and 7,000. I mean, it's, it's, it's so difficult, you know, it really is. It really is difficult. It really is. And that's the, that's why we shouldn't be always comparing ourselves. You know, yeah. you've got to think about what is the value that you are giving and, you got to feel confident to, you know, I don't think we ever feel 100% confident. I think it's, um, we've got to push ourselves a bit because you never, yeah. we're never going to be like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I think I'm amazing and everyone's, you know, we need, we need to push ourselves. Um, so, okay. So if you're using this system and you're going through and charging them bit by transaction, bit by value and all of these, do you, um, advertise your pricing anywhere or do you have like on your website like prices from or anything like that or is it all just done through discovery call it is i don't i don't do any advertising i i again because because we're pricing in such in such detail i think it's really difficult to give a price on your website um because you know nine times out of ten when you go through the proposal process with the client it's going to be different mm. i guess you can say from but that's yeah. and, any one of us could do that you know and that's, um, I was I have been thinking about that because um you know there's been a few times where uh, you know I've taken on clients and they're smaller and they still need because of the kind of outsourced 
accounts department we offer it's still they still need the same amount of people to touch it yeah. whether it's payroll you know VAT and everything so I've been thinking about you know whether I'd like to have prices from 500 pound a month or something like that just so that I'm setting a kind of a, you know something um but it's it's interesting to know I yeah I, I I like, I did at the beginning when I started, you know, I, I was like, sole traders 160 a month, um, sole traders with VAT, VAT 260 and limited companies 360. Well, now I've got some, you know, some clients that are over 2000 a month. So that would, I'd have been so undercharging, it would have been ridiculous, like to declare my fees like that then. Yeah. But maybe a from price could work in some cases. I think you've definitely got the advantage there if you want to just work with a minimum fee, I guess, really, you yeah. know. Um, which I, and I know a lot of bookkeepers and accountants do that. They won't take on clients for less than, I don't know, let's say £200 a month. You know, mm. so, so putting that from £200 a month on the website, that is an advantage because, you know, you're saying, you know, we don't take clients on that are paying that will pay less than £200 a month. So I think, I think that's good from that point of view. But I just worry also that you put from £200 a month, you get a prospect, they want this, 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 this and this comes out at £600 a month. When they say, we, it says £200 a month on your website, you know, that, that that's the only thing I, I would worry about having prices on the website. But maybe, yeah, maybe minimum on, fee. Yeah, I think if, if you're charging a minimum fee, it could work brilliantly. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I like that idea. So, I mean, um, this, I mean, the whole pricing conversation is a massive one. Yeah. But do you have any advice, Jason, as someone that's maybe thinking about, you know, um, either setting their prices for the first time or having a conversation? You know, maybe they've got a client that they know they are undercharging in the moment. They've got to have that conversation. Have you got any words of wisdom for someone that's been in this industry for a long time? I just think, I mean, you know, to go back to this dreaded, dreaded word again, go proposal, but I just think it, it makes so much sense because it's consistent. That's what we want, consistent pricing here. I mean, I, I wouldn't advocate um, starting off at hourly rates because I just think it, it's, it sets you off on a slippery slope, really, you know. Um, I, I would say, go, you know, you could try out Go Proposal, tr try the free trial. I don't think it's really expensive because I think there's so much value you can glean from it. And, you know, um, I just think, you know, your, your prices can change so much. I mean, you know, when I put the, when I put my work and, and based it through Go Proposal, when I, when I sort of started again, if you like, the difference in what I, I compared that to what I used to charge. And it was night and day, Joe, you know. Um, so I know people will look at Go Proposal and think, well, I think it starts at £60 a month. That's quite a lot of money. Yes, it is. But, you know, you can just one or two clients to price or reprice and suddenly you've, you've got that money back. You know, I just I just I just think it's really, really important to do that. And, and I, I, ju I just I just don't like hourly rates. I just I, I would not advise advise doing that. Um, as, a, as, as we've said, there's many other method, methods for doing it, but I still like the fact that you can drill down into so much detail and that you're, you know, you're charging based on, on real life. You know, you know exactly what you're doing for the client and you can put that information into this software and it will give you that price to charge, you know? So I, I would just always say, just either take out the free trial of, of Go Proposal or, or just bite the bullet and, and subscribe and just, you know, whether you're starting off with brand new clients or whether you're repricing just to get that consistent pricing. And that's the key because I just think if you've got inconsistent pricing and you are using hourly rates or some other method, it's just so easy to, to trip up and, 
a new client will come along, a new prospect will come along. How do I price this? And if you've got a, a, a system in place to be able to do it, it suddenly makes the whole proposal process so easy to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I used to worry about the discovery call and pricing at that point. But now what I find scarier is having a repricing conversation when they're already a client. So I'd much prefer to price correctly initially and get it and get and be happy rather than. And, and also I remember back to the time where I moved over from hourly rate to a monthly fee and that was a difficult conversation so it's actually easier yeah. to set this up now and set the precedent and like set out your stall and people know you know what you're about it, it makes it easier than having those different conversations uh, later on we've got a question here jason and um, have you worked with different pricing tiers different prices for different levels of categories and service and has that worked right the answer is yes i have done that in my in my previous life in my previous practice i did do that um, so I think I was, I was, I, I can't remember who I followed. I think a long, 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 long time ago, there was a guy called Mark Wickersham and he was, a, you know, he's a real pricing guru and I'm friends with Mark. I know, I know, I know him quite well. Um, I think he lives in Portugal now. Um, but in my old life, in my first practice, I was a great, I was, he was my mentor, Mark Wickersham. And, and he would always advocate the bronze, silver, gold method of pricing. And Yes, I did try that for, for a while. And there is one advantage to that is that if you present the client with bronze, silver and gold, for some reason, whether it's psychological or not, they don't want to look cheap. So they'll never choose the bronze option. You know, whatever, whatever I quoted, bronze, silver, gold, nine times out of 10, they would go for the silver option, you know, so it, that can work, definitely. Um, but then I think the disadvantage of that is that you're suddenly bombarding the client with more and more figures, you know. Um, yeah, and also I feel like, I feel like you're starting off the conversation of like, this is what you could have. The gold service is amazing, but you can't afford that. So here's a yeah. little less service where I'd prefer to say, this is the service you need. Yeah. If you can't afford all of that service, let's put it back until you can. Like let's take some elements out and you get to design what's right for you. Whereas yeah. I feel like when it's a bit of a bundle, I sometimes feel like, oh, I really want that. I just can't afford it. And then you already feel like you've lost out or the client feels like they've lost out at the beginning. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a better option to sort of, you know, sort of tailor the package, if you like, tailor that one package yeah. rather than to say, you know, I mean, the bronze service, well, bronze bronze comes last. You know, is this a bit of a rubbish package? So I better have the silver one. And it's not a rubbish package at all, but maybe maybe prospects might get that impression. So they will go for the middle yeah. package, which is great as far as we're concerned. But I don't know. I just think psychologically is is I, I, I would probably avoid doing that now. In, in, the, in the old days, in sort of 2003, 4, 5, that maybe worked really yeah. well. But, I think it, and but, I think it did. I think we... I think it's that transparency, isn't it, at these days? I think we want, you know, we want it to be a really good exchange. Like this, we want to give you our best work and yeah. we pay for, you know, this is what you need to pay to get that. And I think that feels better. It feels like we're trying to, we know that people will go for the silver. So for me, it feels like it's a bit of out of integrity. Like we're trying to do them over a bit. And I don't, it feels yeah. like car yeah, salesman totally. kind of totally. tactics. So I, I agree. One other thing I would say is, and I'm sure um, all, all your guys are using it, but it's Go Cardless. Go Cardless is fantastic. Um, so I've got I've got most of our clients, I would say, on, on direct debit now. I have a few a few sticklers that won't go direct debit. They'd rather pay the annual fee. But um, 
And uh, another another shout for Go proposal was the alignment fee. That is such a difficult thing to do, especially for accountants. Mm. If you're taking on a limited company halfway through the year, you know, when do you start the direct debit? How much is the direct debit? Is it one twelfth? Is it you know, you know, do you charge them an alignment fee? And and that's what we try and do now. So yeah. regardless of when we take the client on, the first year that we're doing, regardless of how far we are into that year, we will charge an alignment fee to bring us up to date, and then we'll. we'll they'll they'll pay one twelfth sort of going forward from there so i always i always we always base our fees uh of being in that accounting year if that makes sense so the client will pay the 12 installments inside that accounting year so by the time we come to prepare the accounts we've got full payment for that for that year and it it is it's revolutionary isn't it it really yeah. is because i remember how i used to price and you know, raising that invoice at the end of the year when you've done all the work, you've put all of that in and then they'll decide when and if they pay you. And whereas the go card list, we've just had our monthly uh, DD, the big one jump, like drop into the bank today. And it's very nice when all of the fees are in yeah. for the month and um, we can get on with doing the work without doing chasing and credit yeah. control and things like that. And that's the one other thing, Joe, we have zero debtors. So we so I, I'll either off, offer the client the alignment fee, their monthly monthly direct debit, or if they don't want to do the direct debit, then I'll request payment up front. And if yeah. they do pay up front, I will give them a 10% discount if they pay up front. But although I'm losing 10% there, I think I'd rather have that than, than debtors. So yeah. our balance sheet says debtors zero. And that's it's been like that for a long time now. That's amazing. That's amazing, Jason. Just on the Go Cardless point, yes, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I have seen some talk in the Go Proposal community about somebody that had four years worth of fees claimed back from Go Cardless um, on oh, the direct debit okay. Yeah, which is a bit of a worry. So there is some talk okay. going on about that okay. at the moment. Um, right. okay. And But I use it as well, um, and I know a lot of us do, and it has been a great option. Um, and maybe there's something that we need to be, and I'm sure Go Proposal are going to go on it and maybe put something in the T's and C's and things about that. But yeah. that is the, the direct debit scheme. There is that option of clawbacks. Yeah. I, I would never use it myself. So I think lots of us wouldn't even think about it. But um, yeah, so we need to be aware of that. But Jason, can I just say, this has been such a great conversation. Firstly, it's so nice. 45 nice. minutes, Joe, aren't we? I know, I know, <laughs> but I said like, let's just aim, like, let's get to 20, there's only two. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. We, we could chat forever and we could carry on for a really long yeah, time. Definitely, it's just, definitely. It's so nice to chat to you. So nice to get a guy's perspective as well from yeah. the bookkeeping, you know, and accountancy point of view. Sure. Um, you know, I know that there are less guys in this space, but I it's know, so nice. I know. It's, yeah, I know. You know, Jason, you you're you're such a nice guy, and you're so you. open with your knowledge and your experience, which is lovely. So, if people want to know more about you, connect with you, how would they do so? So, I have got a I've got a new Linktree page, and I'll just really quickly mention that. I don't know if you've heard of Linktree, Joe. Yes. Um, Linktree is brilliant. Um, it enables you to have all different all different links in in one place, and it's fantastic. So, mine is at jasonblackman.me, jasonblackman.me. And that's to my Linktree page, and that gives a link to my to our company website, and it gives a link to my YouTube channel, which I'm going to start again. I, I vowed to myself after I talked to Joe, I'm now going to start uploading my my weekly videos because my YouTube channel's got lots and lots of videos on, and, I, and I, I'm I'm really proud of it. But I haven't posted for so long, so um, I've learned with YouTube you need to be consistent. So I'm going to start posting weekly videos. But there's a link to my YouTube channel on the JasonBlackman.me as well, and there's a little button there if anyone wants to sort of drop me a message. So uh, yeah, it'd be nice to hear from anyone. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. Thank you so much. Lots of love in the comments, and uh, thank you for a great podcast. Brilliant, um, enjoyed it. Really good. Thank you, Joe. 
Oh, thank you. Okay, everyone. Well, that's it for this week. We will see you again next week. Have a great week. And uh, yeah, go and check out Jason's YouTube channel. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Bookkeepers podcast. Why not join us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club at sixfigurebookkeeper.club or visit our website, sixfigurebookkeeper.com.